Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you take your business to the next level. What I try to do is take different topics and themes that I think are especially relevant given the times, but also really thought-provoking so that you can actually spend time reflecting and kind of comparing your notes to see kind of how you measure up. Some of the topics I've been talking about recently, obviously, are not only related to COVID and certainly the pandemic, but also as we start to move away from that, we're seeing, I think, you know, kind of light at the end of the tunnel. We just hope that it's, you know, truly a light that you want to gravitate to and not a train coming at you. You know, we've certainly talked about topics relating to change. And as I shared before, I think it's important that you really commit to changing. Because if you don't commit to changing and adjusting, you're going to become irrelevant. This notion of doing things the way we always did it before, there are some new normals that are out there that are really a product of some of the change that needs to happen. You know, I've also talked about certainly, you know, selling and understanding kind of the go-go times that we're in. I think sometimes we tend to be very comforted by the fact that, you know, that we are seeing the phone ring and we are seeing kind of the sales coming in. But sometimes that's a product of the tailwind behind you and not necessarily you being good. And then a lot of what I've been talking about is post-COVID. I've led different panels and groups, you know, talking about the future and what does that look like and what's going to be here to stay or, or, or sticking with what we've converted to and what's going to potentially revert back to the old ways. As I said just a minute ago, you know, the phone is ringing for most remodeling business, whether you're in home improvement or whether you're in, in design, build, or full-service remodeling. Matter of fact, there's many remodeling businesses that have cranked down the faucet, turned down the switch as it relates to the marketing activities, in large part because they just cannot handle the lead flow that's coming into the business. And again, that is a product of the times. It's a product of the environment. I've said for quite a while now that, you know, there's kind of a double-edged sword here. And the double-edged sword in positive side of all of it is that, you know, there's all sorts of reasons, all the reasons that you know why in COVID, in a pandemic, why home remodeling is in fact so popular. You know, people today, they want to be together because of what's going on in their home, but they also want to be apart because what's going on in their home. Both of those dynamics require more remodeling activity and more, more focus. We're also seeing sales come in, sales come in, people lining up. I've talked to people, many people on the phone where clients are literally just over the phone able to uh, close deals in large part because homeowners are so anxious to get things going. They're just willing to close the deal in the simplest and easiest way. There's also a backlog that's being created. And I've talked before about backlogs. You know, I remember for many, many years, I, I ask audiences, imagine if you have a six month or an eight month or even a 12 month backlog, which I know many of you have right now. How does that make you feel? And I've just seen in the faces of audiences, just comfort and smiles and raising their hand that that's, that's a great place to be having a fairly large backlog. 
Then I follow up with a question. Well, if you're Anderson Windows and you can't produce a window for six to 12 months, how do you think that makes them feel? And all of a sudden, the audience gets it. That's a disaster. All of a sudden, they move on to different companies and different products. So this notion of finding the right balance when it comes to backlog is really kind of a tricky thing. And that backlog being pushed out partly because of you, but also because of another challenge we have out there. And that's backlogs with manufacturers, suppliers, supply chain issues, certainly labor shortages, price increases, all sorts of challenges out there. So it's interesting. It's kind of a tale of two cities. On the one hand, we are smiling big time because the phone's ringing and sales are coming in. But the other hand, we're seeing a lot of production challenges out there that are pulling us down. So there really are three themes, I think, when it comes to this kind of topic or uh, uh, issue I want to get into today, which is really focused on operational excellence. I look at companies all around the country and those companies, whether they're in home remodeling or other, the ones that are really out there doing very well are not the ones getting the phone to ring or selling. They're the ones with operational excellence. And I heard that term operational excellence for the first time from my my friend Brian Gottlieb. And he really talked about if you can get operational excellence within, completely within your organization, that is where not only the sweet spot, but that is where I think the real promised land in terms of health and profitability or business ends up being. So as it relates to the operational side, the production side of the business, there are three kind of overriding themes that I want to touch on today. One is you make your money on what you produce, not what you sell. Now, a lot of owners and a lot of businesses are very marketing and sales driven. And I think we have a tendency to think we make our money based on getting a lead or selling it. No, you make your money on producing, on installing, on building stuff. The second theme is 80%, 80%, in my opinion, of production challenges and issues happen on the front end or the marketing and sales part of the process, not necessarily because production is incompetent. Now, there are exceptions to that. However, 80% I find could have been avoided up front if, in fact, something would have been sold correctly or something would have been designed correctly or something would have been positioned correctly up front. And then the last kind of theme that is an overriding theme is that the real work really happens after the sale. See, we have a tendency to think that, oh, we're halfway there because we got a lead and we got a sale. No, the real work, the real bulk of the work happens after the deal is closed, not necessarily before. Now, I'm sharing these themes because I'm a big believer. If you have the right mindset and the right beliefs, then you can put some of the strategies in place. Then you can become more operational excellent. But if you don't have the right fundamental beliefs up front, if you believe it's all about the sale and not necessarily all about the production, then you will probably continue to fall short and be challenged. In my opinion, there's a lot of companies out there that will have record sales, however, 
not record profits this year in large part because of the dynamic that I'm talking about. So here's my top 10 kind of list on how to think about and how to approach operational excellence. The first is you've got to really know your numbers. Now, I know this sounds a little bit condescending and a little bit patronizing to a bunch of smart people. You got to know your numbers. But think of your numbers like a dashboard. Think of it like a dashboard on a car. When everything is working on the dashboard, when the speedometer, the fuel gauge, the temperature gauge, the tachometer, when everything is working well on the car, you have the comfort to be able to not only drive the car within the limits, but also get the effectiveness out of the car. You're not going to make extra stops when you're not sure whether you have enough fuel because the fuel gauge is broken. You're not going to, for example, be slowing down uh, and and not be at that eight, nine, ten miles an hour over the speed limit, you know that's within the tolerances that are there. It's that dashboard and knowing what you're doing when you're driving that help, helps you be more effective. This is very true when it comes to your business. You've got to know the dashboard. You've got to know what the key metrics are within the business and what those numbers are to be able to manage and guide the business. The second one on my top ten list is we're in an environment where you need to build the factory and then sell to it. What I see with a lot of companies out there, they're dragging their feet. They're waking, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Now, we're seeing not only a tidal wave of activity right now in terms of this pandemic type of remodeling, but also there's a tidal wave behind that, which is the post-pandemic. It's all those folks that have gotten vaccinated, that have been putting things off, that have been saving money, that now they can't let their house die, so they've got to be investing in the home. Harvard did some recent kind of data when it comes to this, and it's really showing, I think, not only 2021 is going to be good, it's likely 2022 and maybe even a little bit longer is going to be strong as well. So why do I share that? I share it because you got to build the factory, build the ability to produce, build the production now so and then sell to it don't wait for example till your backlog gets any bigger because it's going to have a negative effect on you number three is time 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 is not on your side you know those that can organize manage kind of control the time in the process are going to be the big winners. You know, those companies out there that have shorter backlogs, they're going to be able to demand five or 10% higher prices because they can get to something more quickly. Time is not on your side. And the best way to combat, I think, the issue of time is to make sure you build the factory so that you can be able to promote to the client. You can get to something more quickly because you have the muscle to be able to do that. So as you're thinking about how do you go about producing things. Some of the models in the past where you very much felt like you needed to have all in-house labor, some of those things ought to be subcontracted. Some of those things ought to be thought about differently because if you can take a eight or nine or even a 12-week project and reduce it down to one or two weeks less than that, you can all of a sudden open up the factory to be able to produce more and be able to improve. Time is where you make your money. Number four on my list was communication. Communication is more important than ever. Your homeowners out there, your clients out there, your trade partners, your employees, 
they will be tolerant as you're shifting out of this pandemic into post-pandemic times. So this notion of operational excellence is not just in terms of sticks and bricks and how you produce it. It's how you communicate. It's critical on a regular basis that you're communicating on a weekly basis to all your clients that are prospects, all your clients that are in the pipeline, all your clients that are under construction. And if you can have the methodology of the real communication and do it in the most effective way, not only with your clients, but also your trade partners and also your team members. Communication, I think, is going to be one of the keys that buys yourself the tolerances, I think, for you to be successful. Number five on my list is training. You know, one of the interesting things about training, I think a lot of people think we're too busy to train, but training is an investment, not an expense. I know I was leading a group in 2010, which again was 11 years ago, leading a group. And we were just coming out of, uh, out of the crash. And of these 14 companies, I asked them, how many of you have increased training in terms of the activity and how much have you, how many of you decreased it? 10 of the companies decreased training, four of the companies increased training, 10 of the companies sales business went down, four of the companies went up. And I was shocked with that survey result. However, it really kind of validated that training, 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 practicing training and getting better at something is in fact an investment that you have to be putting into. And I think those that back off training right now because they're too busy are going to find they're going to make more mistakes and they're going to get sloppier. They're going to see key metrics dropping down. They're going to see more slippage. So training is an investment. Number six is the culture. You know, I see out there the companies that are actually having the operational excellence, they are putting the people first. They have the right degree of empathy. They're listening to what the people happen. They're, of course, they're communicating, but they are putting people first. You know, don't question or don't compromise your fundamental values of what you're all about. And most companies will say we're all about our people. Well, prove it, do it. And I think the more that you do that, the more you'll see, I think, the people standing up and really uh, accomplishing what you need. Number seven I have on my list in operational excellence is there needs to be alignment. And the alignment really needs to start from the top. You know, do your people really, really know where you're heading? Do they understand, given this pandemic and post-pandemic environment, you know, are they aligned in terms of the cadence and the pace that you're focused on in the business? Are they caring about the same things that you're caring about? You know, are they operating in terms of the right processes and systems in terms of alignment there? The more energy that you spend in making sure everyone's aligned and everybody's rowing together, the more likely you're going to experience operational excellence. Number eight is processes. Now, many companies are really a product of more evolution, not design. And because they're a product of evolution, there's oftentimes individual personalities that are involved and not necessarily processes. You've got to go back and 
Focus on those moments of truth. Focus on those processes within your business. And if you can focus on the right processes within the business and not have them dependent on individual personality, the likelihood that you'll eliminate mistakes or have a better client experience is going to be much greater. The next one on my list was certainly one that really relates to the earlier one by putting people first, but having just people is not good enough. You need all A players on your team. And I know this is a really, really tough thing, but when you look at championship teams, it's not just because of playing well, it's because of the talent on the field. So I would strongly encourage, be discriminating in terms of the players on, you either need to improve them or you need to move on. I'm a big believer. When it comes to people, it was either if they don't work out, it was either bad hiring or bad training. And in both cases, it's your fault, not their fault. So by upgrading when it comes to your talent and your people, which I know is easier said than done, that I think is one of the keys to operational excellence because your people will in fact push you forward rather than you have to lift or drag them forward. And the last element on my list of operational excellence is really focused on thinking longer and medium term, not just short term. You know, I know that I've talked about the subject before that you need to think about the business in like a 30 day window at a time. But now I think when it comes to operational excellence, you need to start to make investments and thinking of it more longer term, medium term, not just short term. And I think when you th- you're thinking out a quarter ahead and what does that look like, feel like, let me get that parts and pieces in place, whether it's process, people, product, whatever it happens to be, start to get those things in place. You know, I heard many years ago from a friend, you know, business is really more of a movie than a snapshot. You need to think of it like a movie. What's the continuum here? What does it look like moving forward? So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast today, and I really want to encourage more than ever that you need to focus on the operational excellence and not just the low-hanging apples that are out there or the apples that clearly in terms of leads and sales that will in fact prepare you or propel you for the future But at the end of the day, it's going to be about what you ultimately produce and that client experience. And it's about creating raving fans. It's about having projects being done on time. And it's about having the right kind of economics there to see the kind of profitability and success that you want to see. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I want to thank my friends at Professional Remodeler and certainly with the associations as well as my friends at Engage and Leap and Surefire and other organizations that support this podcast series. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Surefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 